Welcome to the Color of Influence podcast, where you will hear conversations from influential people of color from around the world, from social media, and right here in your communities. These behind the scenes conversations will motivate you, inspire you, and encourage you. I am your host, Aisha Morgan, and let's meet today's guest. Today we are going to meet Akeem Shannon, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear his journey of how he got his product to Diddy, how he got it to Snoop, and how he landed on Shark Tank. Definitely were lots of turns in his journey, but he never gave up and took lots of chances. He's even given our listeners 15% off a flip stick. So head over to get flip stick with a K and type in the promo code color to get 15% off. Plus it's pride month. So it's buy one, get one free all June. Lots of discounts from our amazing guests. And I cannot wait for you to hear from him. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have an amazing guest today. Um, I, went and you guys know I follow Target Wild Black and I am all things that she posts. One of the products she posts was the Flipstick. It is a, um, that's right, goes on the back of your phone. You can use it to uh, crop your phone up if you have like videos that you want to watch and it sticks to any surface, y'all. And we are so excited <laughs> to have Akeem, who is the founder of Flipstick, on the podcast. It so, is. Listen, no, I'm excited to be here. I feel <laughs> here. So thank you for having me. Um, you know, I'm really just excited to get into it, answer any questions, and, and you know, maybe inspire the next the next person to to drop their products into a Target. Absolutely. That is our goal. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and we'll get right into our conversation. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, my name is Akeem. I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I came up with the idea for Flipstick around four years ago, now coming up on four years ago. Um, and, you know, basically it all started with a late night phone call from my uncle, who's an engineer at NASA, telling me about this project he was working on for the space launch system and how he's going to use this adhesive in this project. And, you know, I had recently mounted my TV on the wall. And so, you know, I, I'll be honest, it took me a lot longer than I cared to admit. But <laughs> I was like, man, if I had this, you know, special NASA adhesive, I could have saved myself a whole lot of time. Yeah. And while, you know, the TV never happened, a little tiny TV, I said, you know what, I think we could actually make that work. And yeah. that's really where the whole idea concept for uh, Flipstick came about. Uh, and from there, I taught myself to write patents. I taught myself to do a trademark, went on Kickstarter, like all kinds of stuff that I'm sure we'll get into. Yes. So you have this idea, right? And it sounds simple enough. You just have this adhesive that you want to put on the back of a phone. But we all know that it's, nothing is simple. Right. So how did you get, go from the concept to the product? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, I will say it's simpler today than it's ever been. I'm not going to say it's the simplest thing, but it's simpler than it's ever been. So, you know, for me, I knew, are you familiar with the story of the guy who created GoPro? Yeah. 
Okay, so you know, for your listeners out there who may not know, GoPro is a really popular little action camera. They sell it in every store in the world, worth billions of dollars. And this guy was a surfer and he knew nothing about creating products. He just knew he went surfing and he had no footage to show for it. And so he came with this concept of what if he could have a camera for his surfboard. Right. And the way it is, he went to Best Buy, he bought a little Sony point and shoot camera. He went to the acrylic store, took the acrylic, super glued it together, duct taped it, and he mailed it off to China. And he said, hey, I want to make a camera that's waterproof that somewhat resembles this. Yeah. That's where GoPro was born. You know, was an engineer, didn't know a whole lot. He just was a surfer that wanted to capture his footage. And he grew that into a multi-billion dollar company. So knowing this, you know, going back four years, I'm like, hey, you know, I can just figure out how to make a crude version of my product. And I did. It was literally just cardstock. And double-sided tape. They didn't really work the way I imagined it, but I'm like, if I get the right stuff, it'll work. Yeah. And I took pictures, videos, and I emailed them, you know, to several manufacturers in China. And that's literally how I got started. You know, I just searched for manufacturers that I knew were making like reusable adhesive products. So things like command hooks and stuff like that. Okay. And I just reached out and that's how everything got, got going. Now, how do you do that though? Because, um, someone else said the same thing to me, not, on the podcast, but that they looked up people who manufacturers who were making, you know, her, this athleisure wear. Mm -hmm. Um, so she knew they had the material, but what did your Google search look like? Yeah. So really, you know, honestly, you can skip Google nowadays. There's a couple of major platforms that, you know, will aggregate almost anyone in China and honestly in a lot of countries that are manufacturers, right? So there's a couple of them. Like one is called madeinchina.com. Another one, which is the biggest in the world is called Alibaba. So some people may have heard of like AliExpress. That's kind of like their Amazon version that they make, but their big business is actually alibaba.com. And that is a shopping site for manufacturers, so you literally okay. go on there and you you can buy stuff that's pre-made, right? You can buy it wholesale, mm-hmm. but you can also get anything custom made, any type of product made from the manufacturers that are on that site. And that's the best, least expensive place to start. Okay. Now, you know, there, there are rep groups in China where you can contact a rep group and then they'll source and find factories for you, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we do now. Uh, but that costs a little bit more money. You're going to pay a little bit more of a premium. So where I got started was just right on Alibaba.com. And that carried us for, you know, almost three years. Okay. Now, just to backtrack, what is your background before you started this? Yeah. So, you know, I don't really have like an engineering background, but my father was an entrepreneur, right? So growing up, I knew it was possible to be like, you know, to work for yourself, to make enough money to make ends meet. And for a lot of people, that's very scary, Mm -hmm. right? It scares them to think like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But for me, that was, it was almost the opposite where I was like, man, working a job every day. Tell someone I want to go on vacation. That's crazy. Like, why would I want to do that? Um, So that's kind of where I was coming from. But, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up here in St. Louis. I went off to Howard University, the real HU, Okay, uh, had a full scholarship uh, and went to study chemical engineering. Uh, but when I got there, I realized, oh, I hate chemistry. This chemistry stuff <laughs> not for me. Uh, and so I, I did not have the best grades and I actually ended up losing my scholarship. It was oh. really hard. I lost my scholarship yeah. in Howard, had to come home uh, and, you know, I really had to restart. And so the way I did that was I started working in uh, a Sprint retail store. 
So I was just selling cell phones and cell phone accessories. Yeah. Uh, from there, I went to work for Verizon, uh, but not in a cell phone store, but in a call center selling like their Fios service, which is basically like their cable, internet, TV type package service. Okay. Uh, and I, that's when I really, you know, between both of those jobs, I really learned how to sell products, at least on a short sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very good at it. I was always great at just talking to people and I got even better, um, you know, having that, having that job. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was at Verizon, like I remember I was like the top rep, they had this thing called Rockstar where they're trying to find the Verizon Rockstar who'd be like pitch their products the best. I ended up winning that like in Miami at this big hotel, like all kinds of crazy stuff. But yeah. I realized even though, you know, I was doing well at these jobs, I was making good money, you know, I wasn't super fulfilled, but I had reached an important goal for myself because after that failure of losing my scholarship for college, like I came back and I'm like, I have to turn it around. I went to a a pretty like, you know, prestigious preppy high school where a lot of the kids that went there, parents made a lot of money. And I knew that in four years, they were going to graduate. They're going to have great jobs. And I was a kid, you know, on scholarship. And I'm like, I can't be a deadbeat. So over the course of those four or five years after I, you know, came home from Howard, you know, I just saved and saved and just worked really hard. And, you know, I, even though I realized I didn't really want to work in corporate America anymore, by the time I left my job at uh, Verizon, I had saved over $90,000. Wow. Yeah, $90,000. And that was just savings. And it was in my 401k and mm-hmm. just like investments. Uh, but that was over like four years. Wow. Right? So it was really just being like very diligent of like, I'm not spending money. Like, yeah. I got to save. I got to do this. Uh, and so I ended up quitting my job um, and work I, for a while. I worked in like, a, uh, I worked for uh, a political candidate like in town and did some other stuff. And I was planning on starting a business, but then I got a call from Square. I think they're called Block Inc. Now they make cash app and register and that kind of stuff. And they were starting a sales team here in St. Louis. It was going to be their second office. And I always wanted to work for a tech company and tech companies have great benefits. You know, they give you free lunch every day, (laughs) unlimited vacation. Yeah. They got snack bars and all kinds of great stuff. So who can say no to that? (laughs) So I ended up working at Square, which was honestly the best experience I could have because I I truly believe that no matter where you are in your life and what job you have, your job, if you work for someone that can afford to pay you, that's a successful business. And so you have a lot you can learn from that business. And really, you know, the way I like to look at things is you're getting paid to learn. Like if you're at a job, you're getting paid to learn how their business works. Right. So throughout all the you know, big companies that I worked at, especially at Square, working with small entrepreneurs uh, all the time, which is their main business. Right. Um, you know, I just picked up a lot. And so about after a year and a half, I realized that as great as it was working there, I still just wasn't happy there. And I was like, man, I, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. And so I ended up leaving and taking all that knowledge that I gained over, you know, six years since college or so, uh, and took it into starting, starting Flipstick. And, you know, I mean, I always feel like everything happens for a reason. Mm, it and does. the classroom Absolutely. was not where you needed to learn. Bingo. So you still, you said six years, five, six years. That's how long people are usually in college, four five, six right. years. So yours was just, you were getting paid. 
instead of paying somebody else. <laughs> That's exactly right. So who's really the smarter one? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but it, you know, it's so true. And I tell people, I'm like, you know, if you want to be a chef and you want to run a restaurant, go work for McDonald's because no one's going to show you how to run a restaurant more efficiently and make as much profit as possible as working at the most po- most profitable uh, restaurant in the history of the world. Yeah. Like, there's so much more you're going to learn there than you're going to learn anywhere else. Even if you may not, even if the food's not great, the business, business side part, of it yeah. here is, 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 uh, is second to none. So uh, no, I, I, I'm a big believer uh, in that. And like, you know, one of the reasons that we've had, the way we had our first success at Flipstick is we opened up a mall kiosk where we oh, sold okay. Flipstick in the mall, which, you know, you know, knowledge would tell you, oh, the malls are dead. You need to go online, Instagram, social media. That's the way to do it. But I didn't know those things, but I didn't know how to sell, to be talk face to face to someone and sell them a phone accessory because I learned yeah. that working at Sprint. And so when we had our kiosk, um, we ended up being the most successful kiosk in the region. We made over $30,000 in two months. First wow. Two months at the mall. And, and we had all these people like, Oh, open up a kiosk in our mall. Our mall. But it, but that really came from me really understanding how that worked because I did right. that. Job. Uh, and so I knew how to be successful at it. That's awesome. So from your card stock with your double stick tape, you mailed off <laughs> your prototype. Um, where did you go from there? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing we did was Kickstarter. Uh, for those who are familiar with Kickstarter, basically it's a platform where you can show off your idea, your product, uh, uh, a company, you know, whatever idea you have, but be it creative or product or whatnot, you can show it off and people essentially pre-order it from you, right? They'll give you the money ahead of time for you to collect that money and go and make whatever it is you want to make. And what's great about that is you don't have to give up any equity when you use a site like Kickstarter, another popular one's Indiegogo. Uh, And it's a great way to one, prove that your idea can actually sell and someone's Mm -hmm. willing to pay for it. And two, to not have to get any type of loans or if you don't have any capital to get started, it's a great way to get started. Now, you know, as as I mentioned, you know, for me, I had a lot of money saved up, but when I first quit my job, originally I was going to do marketing. So I started doing some marketing stuff and I was like, I don't really like this either. And so then I'm like, you know what, in order to get marketing clients, maybe I should, (laughs) it's kind of convoluted, but maybe I should create my own product to market. And then if I market this well, I can get more clients. So that was like a thinking process, Uh, you know, because I had this idea and I'm like, oh yeah, I should do this idea. And uh, when we set, when I set up Kickstarter, you know, I set the goal really low. Um, it was like 1800 bucks, uh, you know, hardly anything, but I was yeah. like, you know, if I can even sell this much, I was only selling them. I've had them really low cause it's pre-order pricing. Uh, but I was like, yeah, if I could even sell this many, like this would be worth pursuing. Like this yeah. proves that people would make it. And I poured a lot of energy into this. Like I bought a drone, I bought cameras. I edited the video myself. I did all the graphics for the, for the, Kickstarter page. Like I put a lot into this to make it look really, really good. Uh, And I remember the first day we launched, I went into a, we call it St. Louis Bread Co. here, but it's actually called Panera everywhere else. Uh, (laughs) So if you live in St. Louis, they all say St. Louis Bread Co. Because that's what that's a fun tip. But I was inside of Panera and, you know, we hit the live button, it goes live and then just 
through, 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 through. And we ended up making over the course of 30 days, we made around $15,000. What? Resales. Wow. Uh, and your goal was only 1500. Yeah. Yeah. So when that happened, that immediately like that spark where I was like, no, I, this is, I'm dedicated full time to this. And yeah. I did. Uh, so that was April of 2018. Uh, and then we ended up actually shipping in August, September of 2018. But then I was stuck again because I was like, okay, what do I do next? Yeah. Uh, and that's when we started doing like events. We went to like the African Arts Festival and the International Food Festival and all these festivals to like sell flipsticks hand to hand. Yeah. And uh, and eventually we're like, man, this is kind of working. You know, first day we made like 200 bucks, then 300, then 400, then 500. Uh, and we're like, how can we do this every day? And that's where, how we ended up at the mall. Uh, and we almost didn't go there because I was so terrified. The rent at the mall was like 2,500 bucks a month for a kiosk. And I'm like, man, this is a lot of money. Like, what if this doesn't work out? Yeah. Uh, you know, to this point, we've only sold $15,000 worth of flip sticks. So 2,500 right. seems like a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was one of those pivotal moments where, you know, I had to just walk right up to that fear and just say, you know what? I'm not going to listen and I'm just going to push right through. Yeah. Uh, and I began to learn over and over, like that was really the key to success is you, you're going to come up against these walls of fear and doubt all, all the time. You're going to hit lows, you're going to hit highs, but it's like, you got to keep pushing past all of those hurdles uh, in order to achieve anything worth achieving. That's so true. Now, how did you pick like your manufacturer though? Cause you sent it to China to different people. Um, yeah, so you have for to us, go to China? I did not go to China. I still have not been to China. Uh, okay. And really, it was just who who delivered, right? Because okay. we paid several people to make us prototypes and, you know, make those first runs. And one person paid them, they gave us nothing. And one person, we paid them, and they gave us junk. And one person, we paid them, and they gave us exactly what we asked for. Uh, and that's okay. who became our manufacturer. Um, yeah. as simple as that. Uh, and the thing is, you know, on any type of entrepreneurial journey, you're going to lose money. Yeah. And to be honest, if you don't lose a lot of money, you're probably not making a lot of money because what I've learned is the more you make, then you lose more and then you make more and then you lose more and then you make more. Uh, I remember I was listening to, I think it was Jamie Foxx saying about how he had spent like $50,000 paying somebody to decorate his home with like lights for Christmas. And they just ripped them off for the next year. He got it for like $2,000. And I was like, Jesus, I was like, He's he wow. lost 50 grand and he's just like, that's just the cost of Whatever. being successful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. Like as you become more successful, sometimes you get ripped off. So it is what it is. You just gotta yeah. keep pushing forward. But yeah, I mean, you know, we we went through some bad manufacturers, but we found a good one. And like I said, we stuck with them for quite a while, basically until we launched in Target, you know, we we stayed with that same manufacturer. And then they, you know, they just eventually you know, couldn't deliver the uh, requirements of some like big box retail stores where they just have a lot more compliance. Volume. Yeah, volume, but also just compliance and hitting deadlines. And, oh, you know, okay, got it. Okay. They, they want to make sure that it's been inspected properly and those yeah. kind of things. And so, you know, eventually we did move on, but like I said, they carried us through Shark Tank, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah. Y'all see how he glanced, glazed over Shark Tank. Oh, <laughs> now you got to tell us how you got on Shark Tank. 
Okay, I'll tell you. So, you know, as I mentioned, we, we did the event, we, not the event, but we, did, we went to the mall, we had the kiosk, yeah. we were really successful, and someone invited us to go to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show that they have in Las Vegas every year. Okay. Big, big show. Mm-hmm. Uh, 150,000 people, every major electronics company, you know, Microsoft, Sony, you know, Samsung, they all come out there and spend a ton of money to have this big conference. Yeah. So we went out, we, we went out and had a booth and we won a couple contests and Shark Tank was accepting pitches there. Uh, and so we did, we went, we went in line, we did the pitch, it went great. And then we start moving through the process. You know, we send the videos in, we talk to the producers, all this good stuff. And uh, we got down to maybe like the final 200 people, you know, it's like, and they pick around 120 people per season. Mm-hmm. And so we're like to, to the final 200, you know, they're like, you know, we're going to let you know in the next few days, if you're moving forward or not, we have a few more people we have to cut. And I'm just so sure I'm like, there's, we're definitely going through, we had a great pitch. They liked me, like, this is going to be it. And I got a phone call and they were like, we're sorry, you're not going to be on the show. Oh, and it was, it was devastating. Like it, it hurt yeah. really bad. Uh, but, you know, I knew this was just like when I was afraid at the mall, I was like, man, this is one of those times where I got to push through. And so uh, that's exactly what I did. I knew that while I just had to accept like this defeat, like I knew it couldn't be the end. I had to push through. But I'm someone who I believe in plan A, no plan B. And when plan A fails, all right, it's time for a new plan A. So I had to get my new plan A together. And for me, I was like, you know what? I think I need a celebrity investor. Like I need a celebrity to come in and just help me. Because at the time I was really like, I was, money was tight. I didn't know if I should go back to the mall. Like I didn't know what to do next. Yeah. And uh, I I was looking, I was like, you know what? I think I can get, I need to get Jay-Z to invest in Flipstick. Like that's what I need to do. Uh, And then I was like, you know what? Beyonce and Jay-Z, they do not, they never come out the house. Let me find somebody who actually is like seen out in public. Uh, so I was browsing Instagram and I saw that Diddy was having an event uh, for the Revolt Summit. Uh, and it was going to be in Atlanta. It was like this music conference, but they had a pitch competition. I said, great, I'm going to go to Atlanta. I'm going to pitch my business. I'm going to get Diddy to invest. Boom, we got it. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I booked my plane ticket. I paid for a VIP pass. It was $500 and $500 was a lot for me. So yeah. I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to walk on faith and we're going to make this happen. But then I find out the pitch competition is closed. It's already booked up oh. and I've already booked my tickets. I'm like, all right, I got to figure something out of King. And I saw that they also had a music competition where they were going to give away a record deal. So I said, oh, you know, I, I took music appreciation in high school. I, <laughs> I can rap. I'll just wrap my pitch for Flipstick. <laughs> oh, that's so smart. And uh, I didn't tell anybody about this plan because you don't want to tell somebody, oh, yeah, I'm going to wrap my pitch to Diddy and get him to invest in my pitch. Yeah. That not, I don't think anyone would get an A in uh, Entrepreneurship 101 on their first MBA class with that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that thesis. But, uh, you know, I was like, this is the plan. I'm going to do it. So I wrote my rap. I went to an open mic night here in town, did it. People were like, oh, that was dope. That was great. I said, okay, yeah, I got this. I can do this. Uh, And so I went down to Atlanta. And when I tell you, I faced so many setbacks, just trying to even be able to do this. Like I wanted to do the, I I had my rap ready, but then they were like, if you haven't submitted a video, 
by midnight, you can't do it. It's like 11.50. So I'm like, oh, shit, I got to submit a video. So then finally they got my video. They're like, okay, you get to do the, you get to uh, actually perform and, and try out. So then I did the tryout and they're like, oh, it was great. They loved it. They were like, this is amazing. You just wrapped your business to us. But then they disqualified me because they said I wasn't a real artist. Uh. And it was just like one thing after another. But, you know, I went into this event saying like, no matter what happens, like this entire setup is for me to succeed. Like there's no other reason for this to be happening and going on for me to succeed. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. People know what that is. Like I'm a big believer in creating your own reality and believing yeah. that you can do something before it happens. And, and that belief and your action together help to create the reality that you see. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I got to make it work. So later that evening, there was a comedy show at the same event DC Young Fly was on stage cracking jokes and I just had my flip sticks in my hand. I was VIP. So, you know, I'm front row yeah. and uh, I just stand up and I have my flip sticks in the air and I just hold them up and he just looks at me and I don't, I don't know if you allow cursing on this show, so I'll use him. It's fine. I'll, 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 I can do a little curse. Okay. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So he's just like, he's like, nigga, what you trying to sell? And I'm like, <laughs> That's all I needed. I give yeah. him a and he's like, "Well, can I stick to an ass? Can I stick it to my girl's ass? That's what I want to know." He <laughs> starts cracking all these jokes about the flip stick, and then next thing I know, the whole comedy show's derailed. People are coming up, showing them their latest album and their shirt company they make, and it becomes this whole like pitch thing. Pitch. <laughs> And finally, this rapper comes up and he's like, yo, I got a rap. And they let him on stage to rap. And I'm like, yo, I have a rap. And they're like, oh, man, the flipstick guy thinks he can rap. He's going to come up here and embarrass himself. We already gave you a product promo. What else do you want from us? Yeah. And so, of course, I end up on stage. I do my rap pitch. People in the crowd are going crazy. I'm getting booze. I'm getting cheers. It was all a blur. But ultimately, <laughs> You know, all the organizers in the in the at the or, all the organizers of the event see it. The same people that rejected me are like, "Oh, that was amazing!" And now, you know, they're introducing me to uh, you know Diddy C C O O, and mm. the sponsors of this event was AT and T. They're introducing me to them, and now all these connections are being made. I'm getting backstage, yeah. and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. I actually get to see and meet Diddy, and you know, we're going through all these things, and you know, I'm like, "Wow, look at what's happening here!" Like, you can just feel like the vibration and the momentum in the air yeah stuff's just happening and like I remember my adrenaline was pumping just like so fast that I was I had gotten back to like the VIP and I saw DJ Khaled and all these people and, and I'm like <laughs> drinking because the drinks are free and I'm like not feeling anything and it was just because so much adrenaline had just like flushed into yeah. my body because all these things are happening and you know I have this great event I'm like all right I'm gonna get you to invest I just gotta follow up when I tell you I had everybody's phone number at that event that I could possibly get, wow. I had the CEO, the COO, the chief of staff. I even had Diddy's hairstylist number. I still got it. <laughs> I said, I'm going to have everybody's number calling everybody until I get what I need. Uh, and that's what I did. I called every other day until finally, I think they just annoyed with me. And his staff called me up. It's like, all right, Akeem, we're going to order 500 flip sticks. And, you know, come out to L.A. We're having another event. We want you to give them away at the event. Uh, we're going to let you pitch for, for $10,000 and da-da-da. Wow. And so uh, ended up going out to that event. Oh, and let, let me back up a little bit. Or actually, no, no, I'll keep going. So I ended up going out to that event. And I'm going to glaze over this story. This is another story, but I know we only have so much time. <laughs> but 
at that event, I pitched. I didn't win. I lost to this sweet little 13-year-old girl who sold hot sauce. She's amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, even though at first I thought I was going to win, but then as soon as she said she was 13, I said, it's a wrap. She oh, it. yeah. <laughs> and she deserved it, too. <laughs> uh, and um, But it was one of those things, again, where I'm like, I know that there's something big meant for me here. And the short version of it is, Snoop Dogg was on stage. I made custom flipsticks for Snoop and he saw the flipstick wow. on the wall and he starts going nuts. And so I ended up meeting Snoop and giving him flipsticks and, you know, all these things started happening. Uh, and what ended up becoming of all this, this is in 2019. This is October of 2019. Mm-hmm. What ended up coming of all this is a few months later, one of the judges for the pitch competition in Atlanta, which I never actually pitched for. Right. He ended up being a casting director for Shark Tank. And so he sent me a DM on Instagram and it's like February, 2020, right before the pandemic. He's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Kansas city um, in two days. So be there. So you can audition for Shark Tank. And that's exactly what I did. I drove overnight to Kansas city and I did my pitch. And a couple of weeks later, they're like, great, you're going to be on the show. And it's just like, you know, who would have thought that, you know, the crazy idea to rap, you know, my pitch to Diddy getting me on Shark Tank. Uh, And really when they heard all the stories, because this guy talks to the Diddy organization, he's hearing all these crazy things about this kid who rapped his way on the stage in Atlanta. And then he's like, got Snoop Dogg into the product in LA. (laughs) And so, you know, he's telling the guys at Shark Tank, like, oh yeah, we got to get this guy. And, um, And it was just, you know, this incredible evidence that you know man you can make anything happen oh yeah um, believe in yourself I mean, it's, it's crazy so uh that is the very long version of how i ended up on shark tank but i think that that to me is more inspiring than people who are like yeah i auditioned and i had all my books together and right. i did this and i did that like there are alternatives to following you know that straight line to get somewhere. So I feel like that's more inspiring to me. I mean, you know, and the, just the fact you that know, you put the, yourself out there. Absolutely. And the thing is like, there's no one that's successful that can take that straight line all the way to success. Yeah. Right? It's always forward and backwards and up and down and squiggly. And, you know, that's just what it is. And the sooner you, you know, if you can accept that, and you realize, oh, that's normal. It's not that, oh, yeah. I'm failing. This is not going right. Or, you know, this is a downturn. No, it's like, that's all part of the journey. Like, it's more so about the journey than it is about getting to that finish line of success. When you right. realize that, it you can take everything kind of in stride and, and realize that, oh, opportunity is always right around the corner. Absolutely. Yep. That's so true. And, um, you know, when you were on Shark Tank, um, you did your rap. Yeah. yeah. Oh. They were like, well, Diddy got a rap. We have to get a rap. So, <laughs> so how did your actual pitch go to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great. I'm going to spoil it too much for those people who may want to go watch it. You can check it out. It's on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, go find it. Uh, but it was amazing. You know, it was one of the highlight experiences of my life for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, starting from just an idea, you know, and kiosk in the mall to then be on national television in front of you know people who I grew up watching you right. know on TV and me like wow this is really cool that you could pitch your idea and uh 
and get an investment and you make tons of money. Uh, you know, it was just a really surreal uh, moment. And it was it was just awesome. I had so much fun. Uh, it was incredibly nerve wracking, as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, I thought my heart was going to beat out my chest. I said, this must be what a heart attack feels like. <laughs> I can't breathe. Uh, and uh, but when those doors opened, my music started playing and I just I just went for it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we got offers from both um, Kevin uh, O'Leary as well as Lori. And we ended up taking Lori's offer, who's exactly who I went into uh, the tank wanting to get an offer from. And I'll tell you, uh, someone actually pointed this out as something I do. And I didn't realize that. I, I mean, I knew I did it, but I didn't realize it mattered. It, I didn't realize it was something worth sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that I do, particularly before important meetings, is I always research my the person that I want to create like a meaningful connection with. Yeah. And not just like, oh, who are they? What do they do? So I know their background, but like, I want to know how they speak, how they talk, like what they're into, like what their beliefs are. Because I remember when I first got started with Flipstick, I met this guy who seemed like he could be someone that could help me. Turns out he was a con artist, but uh, (laughs) he taught me a very valuable lesson. Uh, I didn't get conned by him because someone else told me, oh, yeah, that guy's a con artist. But what he taught me was he was like, you see, he said this to me while he was talking to me. He's talking and he's saying all the right things. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's like, this is the real deal. Like, I need to work with this guy. And he told me, he was like, you know, he's like, you know what I'm doing right now? I said, what? He's like, he's like, this is called programming. And he was like, programming is when you speak in somebody else's language and the terms and the beliefs that they have. So they feel comfortable with you and they feel like they know you and that you know them. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think much of it at the time. Uh, But then uh, my dad actually ended up telling me, oh, it's a high school with that guy. He's a total con artist. (laughs) But he taught me a valuable lesson about how to meet people and influence them. And so prior to going on the show, I read Lori's book, uh, listened to her Instagram pages, and I knew the way she used language. And I knew the things that bothered her and didn't bother her so that when we were having those conversations, in the tank, I mm-hmm. could I could make that meaningful connection where she felt connected, where it was like there's something about this guy that reminds me of myself. Yeah, of my ex or my father or my brother or sister or whatever. Uh, and I think that that's a, you know a very powerful tool. Uh, programming kind artists use it all the time, but <laughs> good uh, use it for good. Uh, but that's that was a that was a great experience on the show and. You know, even after the show, I mean, we just got huge boost in sales and, you know, it still pays dividends to this day, just yeah. you know, not just from the sales that we get from it, but just from the validation that it gave our business. Because, yeah. you know, especially being a black owned business, small mm-hmm. black owned business, a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, that's cute. Uh-huh, yeah. right. uh, but when you do something like that, you know, people tend to take notice and they take you much more seriously when you get on the phone. That's awesome. Now, do you think that Shark Tank got you into Target or was that more of just you putting your foot down and just pedal to the metal? Let's go. It was both, honestly. So, you know, everything since Shark Tank, Shark Tank has helped make happen. Right. But it did not happen just because we went on Shark Tank, you know. So, for example, with the Target opportunity, um, you know, it was not like, oh, we saw you on Shark Tank, we want you in Target. It was more of, you know, it was almost a year 
after Shark Tank that we even got the opportunity. But what essentially happened was I participated in uh, what's called the uh, University of Missouri St. Louis uh, Diversity Accelerator, which essentially is an accelerator for black and brown uh, and diverse and women owned like diverse businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I, I recommend anyone who's an entrepreneur or wants to be an entrepreneur is interested in entrepreneurship or startups you know, to get into these accelerators and pitch competitions, because they're essentially free money, you know, yeah. they're free uh, dilution free grants. Uh, and some of them are $500 and some of them are 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and we did this program. We got $50,000. So a great program to be a part of, but one of the biggest benefits that came from it is I met a mentor named Dan Lauer and he had run a very successful consumer brand in the past and he had a lot of connections that he could make so he made one of those connections to a company out of minnesota that was a big major target distributor Mm -hmm. Um, they sold a lot of products into target over like 300 products and they're the ones that got that meeting set up with target and around the same time i uh, since 2018 i volunteered with big brothers big sisters Mm -hmm. of america and I had went to an event for them for to teach uh, kids how to get their first jobs. And Target was supposed to be there, like the local Target store manager of the local store. But instead, they sent all of these like corporate executives. Oh, wow. And so they got to hear my story there and wow. I got to meet them and I got their contact information. So all these things started to like coalesce around the same time. And uh, for those who, who are into their spirituality, they'll know that is synchronicity when things just start to sync up and that's when, you know, like you got a blessing coming, you got to keep your eyes open because it's something, something's coming together. And so around the time, all these things start coming together. These connections are being made. And so by the time we had our meeting with target, you know, she had heard from, she had heard my name from like three or four of her colleagues, you know, who had met me through other things. And, um, and yeah, it was pretty much just a, a one call close, as we like to say in the business, which is like you call them up, you have a phone conversation. They're like, great, we'll take it. Uh, and, you know, absolutely being on ta- being on Shark Tank and being able to send that video ahead of time helped. But also being a part of Big Brother, Big Sister and meeting those people helped and having those conversations helped and being a part of the accelerator program helped. It was all these things that came together that ultimately led to that that success. Yes. And what I'm hearing from you is that you really, if you are serious about your business, regardless of if you have a product or a service or whatever, you have to put yourself out there. Got to. Can't be afraid that Mm -hmm. you're going to fail or that, you know, you're not going to be accepted. You have to put yourself out there because you just never know what's going to come out of it. Look, the, the biggest thing that stops people, you know, from being successful is fear. Yeah. Like, it's not that it didn't work. It's not that you didn't have enough money. It's it's almost always fear. Like, it it cripples you from being able to take the chances and the risks that you need to take mm-hmm. when the opportunity is right. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of times when things start happening for me, it's like, oh, wait a minute, there's some signs here. This is happening and this is happening and this is happening. I need to, I need to take a big swing. Yeah. I need to take a big risk here because there's huge opportunity on the table. Uh and it's not that it's going to come easy, but it's that if I put all my energy and effort to it, like the universe will allow it to like fruit to come to fruition for right. me because I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for it. So yeah. Can't let fear stop. me. No, that's awesome. 
and I don't even know you, but I'm so proud of you. <laughs> like just hearing like the way that you started. Um, it does. It really does make me proud because, you know, I have a lot of family members whose school is just not for them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, just because school was for me, which who knows if it really was or not, I just went because <laughs> I didn't know what else to do at the time. But um, I really like want them to understand that, like you said, there's not always a straight path. You know, no one is ever going to have a straight path. You know, I'm an educator right now. That was not what I went to school for. Um, So even my path was not straight going to school. You know, I kind of wasted four years, to be honest, because then I went to school. You know, I wish that was something that someone told me going into it was that, you know, the degree you get in school does not necessarily mean the thing you're going to do in life. But when you're a kid, you're like, oh, wow, whatever I choose now, like, (laughs) and then you start meeting people in the real world and they have degrees in all kinds of stuff. And they do something completely different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think that for some uh, for you know, I think our culture has made school and learning the same thing. And it's like, no, yeah. it's important that you must learn. In order to succeed in anything, you have to learn. But the way you learn and where you learn is going to be different. I learned a lot of my stuff from YouTube. Like, as I said, like I wrote my own patent, yeah. I wrote my own trademark. I wanted to save money. Like I taught myself to do graphic design, video editing, like all kinds of stuff. I learned reading contracts, all that stuff. I just taught myself or learned through the internet. And, you know, for some people that works and some people are like, no, I'm going to be much better in a classroom with somebody giving me direction. So everybody is different. uh, But I think that, you know, we, it is important for us to accept that as long as you're learning, like that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. And making those connections. I mean, even people with degrees don't always get the jobs they want because they don't put themselves out there. You know, they don't join organizations that go that align with the field that they're in. They don't go to, you know, you went to these accelerator um, programs and pitch competitions. But those mixers and stuff like that for different businesses are out there, too. Um, you know, you don't necessarily, you're not trying to get money, but you're trying to network and meet people in the business that you want to be in. So listen, it's all about who, you know, Mm -hmm. absolutely. When we we talk about like the target thing, yes, all the other things we did were important, but if it wasn't for me having met the mentor who could make a phone call to someone who, you know, sold a lot of stuff into target, who then sets up the call with target and like, Hey, we know these guys are serious. They sell a lot of products in our stores. Yeah. Like they're worth having a conversation to. It all lends to that credibility so that when you get on that phone call, there's less, there's less convincing that you mm-hmm. have to do. Um, and so it's all about who you know. Like recently we ended up working, we're working on new products. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're working on some new products and uh, I needed a designer, like an industrial designer. And I was looking online for some folks uh, but I ended up getting introduced to someone locally here in, in St. Louis. And I'm, you know, I went to their website and it was kind of old. And I'm like, uh, I don't know these guys. I don't yeah. know. Really uh, but mentors like, hey, you need to go talk to them. They're the real deal. So I went to go talk to them. You walk in their office, their art, their uh, office, and then you see like products from Gatorade and products from Heinz Ketchup and products from Microsoft and Motorola and Harry's Razors and all these major Fortune 500 companies. 
And then they're like, oh, yeah, you remember the blah, 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 blah? Yeah, we designed that. And you're like, oh, you remember da, 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 da? Oh, yeah, we designed that. You remember the whole line of this? Oh, yeah, we designed that. It's like, have you used an electric toothbrush? Is it made by this person? Oh, yeah, we designed all their toothbrush. Like, they just kept going, and it was just like, whoa. And then they tell you how much they charge those people, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we ended up having this company design, uh, you know, our new products for us. And like that never would have happened with me Google searching and maybe I would have came across them, which I hadn't. Right. Maybe I would have come across them. But even then, like there's if they had to come to a personal connection, to be honest, my projects are not worth their time. Are there money when you have big major Fortune 500 companies paying you hundreds of thousands of dollars? Yeah. So it all, but we were able to get that. Why? Because of the connections that, you know, I've made to where it was a phone call from someone that mattered to them. And so therefore, you know, they treat you differently. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that the number one biggest difference in the last year for us post Shark Tank Mm -hmm. has been the amount of connections I've been able to make. Uh, and that's okay. made a world of difference. That's awesome. So going forward, you don't have to give us specifics, mm-hmm. um, but where do you want to see Flipstick go within the next couple of years? Yeah, honestly, we want to really blow blow this thing up. So we've been raising money currently um, at a $5 million valuation, which is a pretty okay. big deal because a year ago, when we were on Shark Tank, we were at a $500,000 valuation. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. A, a huge, you know, uh, 10x increase over the course yeah. of the year. Uh, and we've raised a, a good amount of money at that valuation, but we want to grow it another 10x. So we, I'd like in the next two years for us to be a $50 million business. Wow. For sure. That's uh, awesome. And I think we'll get there because, you know, our, our the core of what we believe is that we want to make products for the creator in you the creator and everyone, right? Everyone right now is creating content. Over 56% of all people under the age of 24 make content for a, for a broad audience. So not for friends and family, right? for strangers. Uh, and we know that's only going to continue to grow. And so we want to make those bridge products and say, hey, we know you got your phone. We know you got the app on your phone, but what kind of products can we make for the casual creator? Not professionals right casual creator just makes it easier for you to create that tiktok or that instagram reel you know when you're out with your friends or you're on a vacation or whatever have you like what can we do to make that process easier uh, and more seamless uh, and if we focus on that i think i think we'll get to that 50 million dollar valuation absolutely i see it for sure and you know looking at your instagram i mean your personality is just very inviting Um, so, you know, if someone were to scroll and just happen to see, you know, a video of you, they're going to stop because you're very engaging, um, on your videos. So that is good marketing in itself. (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So before we wrap up, I like to ask my guests, um, you know, the podcast is called the color of influence, um, but who has influenced you along this journey with the flipstick? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man, you know, a lot of people have influenced me uh, on this journey. I'm trying to see if I, if I could have just one. It needs to be a person? 
It does not. So whatever you want to discuss, I mean, it doesn't have to just be one. It could be a couple of things that, you know, kind of come to your mind. Just roll with it. Okay. So honestly, one of the biggest influences that I go back to is I'm actually going to give two books, not two okay. people. So the first book is called The Alchemist. Um, yeah. Alchemist is a great book. It sounds like you know it. Uh, <laughs> uh, follow Polo, probably butchered his name. I know. Um, it's about, it's about a, without spoiling it, it's about a boy who's on this journey to find his treasure. Mm-hmm. And early on in his journey, he meets a wise man that tells him like, hey, you need to look out for omens. And these omens are things that you'll see and hear and taste and touch. They're going to give you directions on which way you need to go next. And I read this book after it hunted me down. I like, I got a copy from my boss when I quit the job at Square. And then I lost that copy. And then another copy just randomly turned up to my house. And anyway, I ended up reading the book because it scared me. I thought it was like hunted. And, uh, And I read it and it just opened my eyes to this concept of, wow, there are these omens. And if I pay attention to them, the journey will be made that much easier. I know what to do next. And if whether it's Target or Shark Tank or Diddy or Snoop or any of those things, it's always following the omens. Oh, what did I hear? Oh, did I just pick up on a conversation here? Did I see something that I was I watching something? Was I listening to some music and I heard some lyrics for the first time a certain way? Like I'm always trying to keep my mind clear for for omens or signs uh, that will help me take the next step I need to take. So that's number one, uh, The Alchemist, highly recommend. And the other one uh, is a book called Think and Grow Rich. Um, And this book is over 100 years old, I believe now. And it is basically a book where a a man interviewed titans of industry uh, during his time. So these are people, and it's old books. So it's like people like Henry Ford, J.P. Morgan, um, um, like the founders of like Standard Oil, like all these billionaires before they were billionaires, you know, like these are like huge titans of industry. And, and what it did for me is it took the concepts of the alchemist, which is much more of like spiritual and like feel good and emotional type of stuff. And it said, oh no, this is not like just, you know, all spiritual foo-foo. No, like real cutthroat business successful people. Mm-hmm. It's what they're all doing. It's what yeah. they already do. And it really just made it extremely practical to say like, like yo, this is how really wealthy people get really wealthy. It's yeah. like, they believe it up here, they believe it in here, and they follow these signs in order for them to uh, be able to, to get to where they're going. So, um, so yeah, so it was, it was uh, th- those are the two big influences that I would say uh, helped me. Yeah, and those are two good books. Um, you know, a lot of times I think too, um, people feel that they have to read books that are geared toward what they want to do. And that's not always the case. Oh. You don't mm-hmm. need to read a book by someone who's doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes just that general uh, change in the way you think about things, you know, your mindset, being mindful about things, those are just as important as learning the business side of what you want to do. Absolutely. I remember like I read a book. I read um, the biography of Richard Branson. It was like a British billionaire. And he, he yeah. does stuff like music and and uh, lifestyle brands like airplanes and stuff. And that's not what I'm doing. 
But yeah. I was like, man, how did this high school dropout start an airline and get yeah, Janet Jackson a label? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like, how, what was he doing? Uh, and so, you know, you go and you read the book because you're like, wow, he figured something out. Mm-hmm. So and if he could figure it out, I could probably do it, too. Yeah. Uh, so no, I agree wholeheartedly, like, you know, absolutely reading books that, you know, you're just kind of guided to or people tell you about or you hear about a couple of times, like it's probably worth checking out. Absolutely. Well, Akeem, this was such a great conversation. Um, I really enjoyed learning the backstory behind the flipstick. Um, you know, it's easy to go online and Google someone, but you really don't know their full story unless they tell it. And that is the whole purpose of my podcast. Um, I'm so glad that you agreed to be on. I'm excited for I'm people to hear. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, you talk about being uncomfortable. Like for a while, I would only invite people that I knew or that knew someone that knew someone. So you were my first stranger (laughs) that I don't know through someone. Technically I kind of do because Marissa was on. So she kind (laughs) of promoted your product, but you are technically the first person that I just like cold emailed and accepted. So thank you for that. I really Really appreciate that. Um, you boosted my confidence <laughs> that, um, you know, that you accept it. So I really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm, I'm always grateful for the opportunity to share my story and I'm, I'm grateful for your thoughtful questions. And, you know, I think that what you're doing of, you know, having people that have had some type of influence in their life, whether little or small, and sharing that with the even greater group of people, I think it's great because I think all of us have that influence ability inside of us. And all of us are making an impact on the world, whether we know it or not, a legacy that we're leaving behind. And the more we share like these positive stories, the more I think it'll inspire others to make sure that they're leaving their influence on the world, which ultimately will just make it a better place for us all. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I really think that your story um, is going to inspire a lot of people because like I said, I know so many people who have ideas and they're afraid to step out of their comfort zone to make it happen. And just all the twists and turns that your story made before you even got to, you know, selling at Target or being on Shark Tank, um, to me is inspirational. Like even from what I'm doing with my podcast, um, just stepping out and putting myself out there. I mean, something is going to stick just like the flip stick. <laughs> <laughs> something is going to stick. That's yes. exactly right. <laughs> so again, I really appreciate this. Um, before we go, please tell everyone where they can find your flip sticks and make their purchase. Guys, you will not regret making this purchase. Yeah, absolutely. So they can find us on target.com, as you mentioned, on Amazon and on our own website through Google. All you want to do is search flipstick, but it's spelled F-L-I-P-S-T-I-K. So no C in stick. Uh, just give flipstick a search uh, and we should pop right up and 
feel free to buy from any of those platforms. Uh, all comes to the same place. Uh, and I will also say if you like the product and you enjoy it, or even if you just enjoy this conversation, feel free to leave a review as well. Or yeah. the lifeblood of small businesses online. So uh, leaving those with every review makes a huge impact for us. So much appreciated. I'm glad you said that because I need to go do my own. <laughs> make sure you leave a review for the podcast too. You know, you got to get a review schedule. Yeah, exactly. All right. Again, thank you so much. Um, I cannot wait to see what your next product is. Um, your you, your Instagram is just Flipstick? It's at Get Flipstick. So at G-E-T-F-L-I-P-S-T-I-K. So, at so everybody go follow, go follow, follow so that you can also know what is up next for Flipstick. Yes, yes. Um, I'm going to be all on that Instagram page just so that I can be the first person to know what it is and um and go and promote it awesome well i hope we get to do this again when we got other bigger we get even bigger we got even more stuff going on exactly sounds good have a good one thanks bye-bye and that's a wrap on another amazing episode i know that you were just as inspired as i was after listening to that conversation And to let us know how we're doing, don't forget to leave us a review, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also follow us on all social media platforms from YouTube to Facebook at The Color of Influence and on Instagram, the underscore color underscore of underscore influence. You can check out all of our episodes and additional content on our website, thecolorofinfluence.com and that's an in only for influence and don't forget to share the podcast with someone you know and have them share the podcast with someone they know thank you all for listening until next time peace out